You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Two times a week here in the offseason, a very eventful offseason, Mark. Before we get to the news of the day, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. Yeah, uh, the NFL never really sleeps, it seems like. It's the offseason, middle of the offseason. We just had free agency. That's been dying down. But, uh, you know, the NFL's got to keep churning that news machine. And, of course, it's the owners meeting. So there's a lot of sound from general managers and head coaches and even others in the front office, owners as well. So a lot to talk about. But I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Look, at the the month of March is winding down. So my days in order which I can place bets <laughs> is also dwindling. So only a couple of days to maximize my profits. I must admit I am up more than I thought I would be hey. at this point, which is always a plus. And uh, we got to figure out which team we're going to throw it all on in the next three days before this month ends. Uh, however, Mark, if I had to place a bet on who the Front runner in the clubhouse, right, is for the 49ers right mm. now. Part of me, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, it would be Brock Purdy because, as we're recording this on Tuesday, earlier today at the NFL owners' meetings, John Lynch was asked by reporters about everything that's gone on since Brock Purdy's surgery. Of course, he had it, it was successful. The timeline lays out about six months, it is going to at least for now play out to be you know roughly around week one of the nfl season but john lynch was quoted as brock purdy is a potential starter saying i think brock has earned the right the way he played that he's probably the leader in the clubhouse at that of course referring to the starting position role if we were to line up right now he'd probably take the first snap now that's assuming brock purdy is going to be healthy but mark before we get into the semantics and the context of this what were your first thoughts when you heard John Lynch say that? Um, honestly, it, it doesn't really mean all that much. I think we've all agreed and we've been talking about it for a while. If healthy, uh, Brock Purdy is going to get the first crack at it. All this talk about John Lynch, and I know I've been, or pardon me, I'll just talk about Trey Lance, and I know I've been guilty of this, um, is just because of the question marks around Brock Purdy's health and you know the delayed surgery of his elbow, which has happened now, of course, and it was not Tommy John. So at the very worst, you could see him maybe missing a few weeks of regular season football, and that's at the very worst. So a lot of that speculation about Trey Lance was while Purdy's elbow was up in the air, and we weren't really sure what the timeline for recovery was going to be. 
and without certainty there, it just kind of opened the door for Trey Lance speculation. But with Brock Purdy's surgery, successful non-Tommy John UCL repair, not reconstruction, just repair, again, at the worst, what? He misses a couple of weeks of regular season football, and then he gets right back in there and he plays, and the rest is history. At least that's the plan for the 49ers. So for me, Evan, this quote from John Lynch doesn't really do much for me. I think it was kind of the expectation after the successful surgery Maybe something happens in the offseason. Maybe Trey Lance wows people and and their tune changes. I'm, I'm not counting on that. I'm not expecting it. But given everything else we've already seen this offseason, Evan, this particular quote, while it does mean something coming from the general manager of the team, doesn't really surprise me all that much. And John Lynch added further that he hopes that Brock Purdy is ready to go for training camp and sort of alluded that they won't be able to make their in next, yeah, you know, evaluation of Brock until the 12 week, 12 week mark, which is when he can officially start throwing and then they'll have a better idea of when he can come back. But the optimistic timeline is to have him back for training camp. That would allow him ideally to be the day one starter. I am with you up until a point. And the reason is because this is officially the first time that we have heard either John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan not reference an equal hierarchy in the quarterback room this offseason. Kyle Shanahan was quoted at the end of the year in his press conference saying that we have two quality starting caliber quarterbacks, which I believe he still believes. But John Lynch, now after the surgery, in my mind, has identified this scenario, which is it's Brock Purdy's job. And that I don't think is going to change unless there are setbacks with his injured arm currently. If he is back within a few weeks of the season, and we've laid out some hypotheticals throughout this offseason of whether Trey Lance could start a game, could start two games, maybe the first month. To me, when I hear this has earned the right to be essentially your starting quarterback, I hear John Lynch saying Brock Purdy, when he is healthy, when we deem him ready to go, is going to be under center no matter how any of the other quarterbacks are performing or have performed this offseason. Maybe that's just taking it a little bit too far, Mark. But when I hear John Lynch and the unequivocal confidence that he is speaking with about Brock Purdy and earning that right because of what he did last season, I'm hearing a guy saying, this is our dude. Brock Purdy's our QB1, and it's just a matter of time until he is going to be back under center. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. It is also difficult to hear this and not think of it as not necessarily a shot or a slight, um, but as discouraging news for Trey Lance. If you're a fan of Trey Lance and if you are still waiting to see him lead this 49ers team and get more than just a game here or there, uh, John Lynch coming out and saying this doesn't really bode well for you. And I know when we were in the the peak of the the Brock Purdy delayed surgery, you know, time like a month ago, I I did come out with the hot take saying I think Trey Lance would start more games than Brock Purdy for the 49ers in this coming season. As you know, we've talked a little bit about it on the podcast and off the podcast. I have completely changed my course on that <laughs> one. I, I don't think that's going to happen 
at all. Maybe Trey Lance starts week one, week two. Perhaps that's it. Then Brock Purdy's back and, and he takes the reins. But it's comments like this, Evan, which again, don't really surprise me all that much given what we've seen the last few weeks, what we've heard about his his elbow and the surgery and everything going successful and how much the the Niners front office and the players clearly with all the media hits that they do, how much they respect Brock Purdy and understand what he did with them at the end of last season wasn't really a fluke. The way that they talk about him, it's pretty clear the team from top to bottom, for the most part, I'm, I'm sure there are some people that disagree in the organization, but for the most part, it seems this organization is bought in behind Brock Purdy. So you hear another, um, you know, another quote like this from someone high up in the organization like John Lynch defending Brock Purdy, you also have to read that on the other side. And the other side is, we're just not quite so sure that Trey Lance has what it takes. Now, it's unfortunate because he hasn't really gotten a fair chance. Maybe he never gets the fair chance. But every comment about uh, Brock Purdy being this team starter, I think there's also a subliminal message saying, yeah, we're not so sure about Trey Lance. Yeah, and, and look, his final kind of note on this was... I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but we don't care where you are drafted. That doesn't matter. That's always been the stance of the 49ers, that if you were picked in the first round or quite literally if you were the last pick of the draft, if you perform, you are going to get a chance to start. This is where I do think we will run into some conversation throughout this summer and, of course, leading into next season, which is if you're saying that Brock Purdy has earned the right to be your starting quarterback and you are essentially saying that Trey Lance is going to be QB two, and he's going to help fill in. And maybe if Brock Purdy is going to miss some games, you are also saying that you drafted the wrong guy. Like, like you took the wrong dude. I mean, if, if Trey Lance is drafted and you gave up the capital you did for him to be your franchise quarterback for years to come. Well, I know Brock Purdy is very good and Trey Lance still has a chance to be good according to John Lynch, but it doesn't look like it's going to be for this team. If you're telling me that Brock Purdy is your guy, now, it's going to be great to have a, a, another serviceable arm in case Brock Purdy, God forbid, gets hurt or, or you know, potentially doesn't live up to the expectations that were, you know, I, I don't expect him to just fall off a cliff, but maybe yeah. he has, you know, his struggles in his sophomore season, essentially. Maybe Trey Lance is ready. And maybe Trey Lance, like you said, makes some huge strides. But you're telling me with this message that you also are, you also culpable in this too. Like, your quarterback room is not a mess, but it is a house of cards at this point. And the guy that you picked to be at the top is all of a sudden just falling off your deck. Like Trey Lance is, is no longer a factor in this equation. If Brock Purdy is healthy and if he's performing, which we all expect him to, I mean, I, I do have to look at John Lynch a little, a little bit like that as well. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that has been, relatively apparent for a while now Trey Lance could still you know eventually have a decent career in the NFL and and maybe he pans out with a different team um and who knows I'm not saying I think he's going to be a hall of famer or even an all pro but just because he hasn't been able to to get on the field much does not mean the rest of his career is doomed but I'm with you in that the 49ers in their actions. And I think it's begun way more than just this John Lynch quote way before just this John Lynch quote, they have told you through their confidence levels 
in Brock Purdy. And again, back to what I was saying last time, which you can translate into, you know, not confidence in Trey Lance. They're telling you that they missed up, messed up that pick. But I'll ask you this. What is a better thing for the 49ers to do in this situation? Let's pretend for a moment they're convinced Trey Lance is not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback in the NFL. They are convinced they can't win a Super Bowl with Trey Lance. What should they do at that point? They should cut bait. They should move on. They should try to find a different solution as opposed to, you know, holding out hope that it does work. So you can blame them for making the wrong pick because it certainly feels that way, Evan. I mean, everything that we've seen over the last couple of seasons points to the fact that Trey Lance was not worthy of being taken third overall. That's really obvious right now. But it's also... I think difficult for for an organization who poured all of those assets into that pick to admit defeat on that pick. And the 49ers, they haven't explicitly said that was the wrong pick and they never will. But through the things that they're saying and the things that they're doing, it does seem to me, and this was your point, that they are admitting defeat on that pick, which again, it's, it's, not a good thing. You don't want to ever do that. But when you are in the situation to either continue trying with something that you think might not work or move on, you should move on. It's tough, but you should move on. So I think the Niners deserve at least a little bit of credit for not necessarily owning up to the mistake, but recognizing it and and trying as best as they can to move past it. I can't give them credit yet. I'm sorry. I cannot give them credit until the guy that usurped your franchise quarterback to be delivers. And if you're telling me that Trey Lance can't win a Super Bowl, I'll buy that. He hasn't shown the ability to be a game-changing force yet. Unfortunately, he hasn't had the chance, primarily due to injury last year. But if you're saying that that's what you're aiming for, that that's the standard, well, then Brock Purdy better be damn good. Yeah, I mean, and the rest of this roster had better help him be damn good as well. And they were last year, and they were close to getting to a Super Bowl. But what by by admitting defeat, I think also with Trey Lance, what you're doing is you are placing a heavy expectation on a guy that played last year with relatively none. I mean, Brock Purdy was playing with house money last year. He's the last pick in the draft. Wasn't expected to be on the field. Wasn't expected maybe to be on the roster. However, he goes out and balls out, hasn't lost a game in which he has started and then finished. But this next year... I, I, I want to see that same energy kept for Brock Purdy that it was for Trey Lance and, of course, also Jimmy Garoppolo because it's going to be his second season. I think some people are going to be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him some leeway. But if John Lynch is saying he's earned the right to be our quarterback, well, then everything that you expected for Trey Lance now falls upon Brock Purdy. That is where I cannot give the San Francisco 49ers credit yet because Brock Purdy still has to earn that, and those expectations to me are where the credit is is eventually, hopefully, going to get bestowed because, to be honest, he hasn't done much in this league yet. He's played nine games. He's won them all. He's been fantastic. But I don't know how Trey Lance would have looked with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. I don't know how Jimmy Garoppolo might have been able to do if he didn't get hurt to end the season. Brock Purdy made the best of of the situation that he had last year, but now it is a brand-new, clean uh, slate, and they got expectations not just to win, win the division, but to win the conference, that's the type of stuff that right now is falling upon Brock Purdy. Well, you're right. And I, I want to make it clear. I, I don't think that 
you know, look at the whole net of the result of the Trey Lance pick. I'm, I'm not making a case that it's been a net positive at all. Obviously, you would have much rather have picked someone who has played more and impacted the game on the field more for you in that position. Or you would have hoped to not even trade up at all and, and just take Justin Fields with your original pick and keep your future first round picks. Obviously, there are much better things for the Niners to do in hindsight. All I'm saying is if you are in a situation where either you continue toiling away with someone who you think isn't good enough, good enough, or you try to find a different solution. The better thing is always try to find a better solution. And while the jury is still out at this point um, on the entirety of Brock Purdy's ability, obviously we saw great flashes at the end of this last season, but as a whole, we don't know yet. You're right. The, the expectation is win a conference championship, compete for a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. If Brock Purdy doesn't do that, then the solution didn't work either. It, it's just, in my opinion, better for them to not be so steadfast and, I don't know, strident in trying to make, trying to fit, you know, a square peg in a round hole. Is that what Trey Lance is? I'm not so sure, but based on what they're saying and how they're talking about him, it does seem like that. Instead of just trying to force that and get it to work, move on and try to find a different solution. I'm not convinced that Brock Purdy is that solution. If he is, great. If he's not, keep searching. But it is better to begin the search when you're convinced that you don't have the solution currently. And now we'll see what that does look like for Brock Purdy. But still, again, as a net whole, you, you take into account everything that has happened from that draft pick on. Of course, it's been a net negative because you didn't hit on the pick. But I do think there is a, a little bit there about the 49ers being willing to go on and try to find a solution elsewhere. I, I, most teams would probably do that, but it's just a difficult thing to do. And I, I think it's worth bringing up. Yeah, look, I, I'll, I'll give you credit if it's like you're down to the count 0 and 2, it's 95 on the hands, you, you foul it off, maybe you break your bat, maybe you strike out, you fail. I'll, I'll give you credit for that. But a 3 1 EFIS pitch down the middle of the plate <laughs> is generally supposed to be knocked out of the park. And, and it, it may be an unfair comparison, but there are levels to this. And I, I just, just want people to keep the same energy for Brock Purdy that they did for his, uh, well, what should have been predecessor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you as always by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. You can follow Mark on social at Mark Randy. Mark with a C, Randy with an I. I'm on social at eGiddings10. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so another kind of point topic that came up in the uh, NFL owners meeting surrounding John Lynch was what we talked about in our last episode. Brandon Ayuk, who kind of had a, a cryptic tweet last week referring to his value and, of course, his upcoming hopeful negotiation with the 49ers. Um, but the 49ers and John Lynch saying, you know, putting, trying to put to bed any sort of trade talk 
that was emerging throughout this week with Brandon Ayuk putting out that message. John Lynch and the 49ers essentially saying they plan to exercise Brandon Ayuk's fifth-year option, pushing those future second contract negotiations down the line. They are allowed to do this because I believe the rule is you can only exercise that fifth year for first round picks in which Brandon Ayuk was. And so he gets that option. They're going to kick it down the road. I expect the 49ers to make the correct decision as they have, but Mark, uh, this doesn't seem like necessarily news, uh, but it does potentially put a pin in any of those teams that were kind of poking around seeing if Ayuk might be open for a trade. Well, yeah, so this is interesting because it's, you're right, something that we talked about last week and, you know, even a couple of months ago as well. Um, teams are asking the 49ers about Brandon Ayuk because they can see the writing on the wall. They can see the 49ers' salaries. They can see all the money that they have tied up. And they know the Niners are going to have to get rid of someone because you just can't keep everyone. And who... Uh, you know, would other teams be interested in a young wide receiver who's poised to continue progressing? That's Brandon Ayuk to a T. So the fact that there are teams reaching out to the 49ers about a potential Brandon Ayuk trade should not surprise anyone. This is clear. This has been happening for a while. It probably happened in the season last year. And of course, it's happening in the offseason. Um, in, in danger of sounding like a broken record, I just want to read off the, the cap hits for the 49ers, specifically in the wide receiver room. This coming season, Brandon Ayuk, the final year of his rookie contract, just a tick under $4 million cap hit. Not bad. You can swallow that as well. You pair that with what Debo Samuel is making in 2023 this coming year. $8.6 million. That's the cap hit for Debo Samuel. Again, pretty low. You can swallow that. But then what happens to Brandon Ayuk's cap hit on the fifth-year option here, which would be 2024? It jumps up to over $14 million for a cap hit in 2024. And then Debo Samuel, the big numbers start churning out with his recent contract extension. 2024, Debo's cap hit, $28.5 million. So you have, what, about $43 million in cap hit tied up between two receivers in the year 2024. You can do it, but you're going to have to make concessions elsewhere. And I don't think the Niners want to make the concessions on the other positions. They don't want to do it on the offensive line. They don't want to do it on the defensive line. They don't want to do it with Fred Warner and his linebackers in the defensive secondary. They would be more willing to do it with their pass-catching group that will already feature George Kittle, will feature Christian McCaffrey, and will feature at least one of those two wide receivers and probably a couple of other names that we don't even know about yet. So in 2024, you have $43 million of cap hit tied up between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. My educated guess is the Niners cannot keep both of them. That's why teams are calling about Brandon Ayuk, because they can see the writing on the wall, and they want to capitalize on a player that the Niners are going to have to decide if they want over Debo Samuel or not. Especially when you consider Brandon Ayuk's $14 million cap hit would place him, I just want to get this right, uh, eighth on the 49ers as far as 2024 <laughs> cap hits. That also doesn't include what Nick Bosa is set to make yeah. in 2024. So right now they are, and, and look, teams always find a way to finagle their way around the salary cap. There's restructurings, they'll push money, they'll create signing bonuses. 
But I think you're right. That $43 million between those two wide receivers, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, that will not be the cap hit number in 2024. Now, whether that means both guys are on the team is another question. But the 49ers absolutely have a decision to make. I'm not sure necessarily if it's one or the other. However, Brandon Ayuk is, I think, looking at it and saying, okay, here's the money that I want to make. And it's probably along the lines of Debo Samuel money because he played better than Debo this past season. And he's looking for an opportunity this year to, in a contract year, prove why he's going to be worth that either to San Francisco or another team. If you are Brandon Ayuk, right now, to me, he's in the driver's seat. Anything outside of an injury, to me, is going to boost his value. And it is con- his stock is going to continue to rise in my mind because of how good of a, a player I think he is. So the 49ers exercising this fifth-year option isn't necessarily news, but teams poking around also, I think, reveals the type of interest that future you know, free agent offers are going to be placed at his feet. And this guy is going to have to decide, along with the 49ers, whether he wants to stay and not necessarily take a pay cut, but continue to be a part of this franchise in which he is, in his words, fourth option, or if he's willing to try and go elsewhere and be a number one option or potentially number two option. So I, I think it's kind of interesting and we'll certainly keep an eye on it. Um, but the wide receivers in San Francisco, it, it's one of the reasons, Mark, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take one uh, here in this, this upcoming draft in about a month because they got some picks and uh, Danny Gray didn't necessarily look in his rookie season like he's going to be a player. That certainly could change. Um, but didn't get a lot of burn in his rookie year. And right now you're looking at two wide receivers that are moving towards kind of that second contract middle part of their career in which they're going to be have to pay a lot of money. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick a wide receiver in the draft. They have a handful of picks. Again, not not just a, a super high pick. Their first pick is, what, 99th overall in the third round, and they have a bunch in that third round and a bunch the rest of the draft. So, yeah, I would not be shocked. Um, I, I think one thing to note when we're talking about Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and the Niners most likely by the time the 2024 regular season comes around, uh, the Niners likely only having one of those players on the roster. At least that's that's my prediction. Both of them will not be 49ers week one 2024. Um, it's not as if I think the Niners are going to lose either of them for nothing. What becomes interesting is how the 49ers try to attack this because we both talked last week, Evan, And I think we both came to the same conclusion. Given the Niners offense right now, Brandon Ayuk is probably more valuable because he does something that no one else on the roster does. Debo Samuel, while an incredible talent in the NFL, you have him on in the same offense as Christian McCaffrey. It's a little, you know, you know, you're kind of doubling up there with two similar talents. So maybe the Niners prefer Brandon Ayuk. What does, I don't know, the, the NFL market in general value more do they value brandon Ayuk? do they value debo samuel more is debo samuel's gigantic contract um going to depress the trade market for debo samuel potentially are the 49ers doing this solely based on what they think will make their team better in terms of the the one player on the field does brandon Ayuk make them better or does debo samuel make them better or are they considering what can they get back for one of these guys and can they replenish some draft picks can they get some younger talent on the offensive line can they do this with these assets that with those assets i think it's, it's going to be interesting to see 
how the 49ers attack this because we've talked a lot about how they don't have a lot of draft assets. What they do have, though, in these two guys are two really good offensive players in the National Football League that teams value and that teams will be willing to give you something for. So I think this is an avenue for the 49ers to, while you never want to see good players leave, the salary cap forces you sometimes to do that. And that's likely what's going to happen. But the question then becomes, Evan, what can the 49ers get back for these guys? And that's going to be as much of a consideration as perhaps which ones, which one the 49ers might want to have on their team more. Yeah, I think the 49ers have shown that their philosophy is to build or, or invest inside out. Not all teams do this, but we've seen a large spike specifically in the wide receiver market that hasn't applied the same, let's say, to other skill positions. I guess tight ends is, you know, they've been paid quite a bit of money. George Kittle, of course, is one of them. Uh, running backs haven't necessarily caught up from that perspective because they kind of tend to trickle off after, I believe it's like their age 28 season is, is kind of that fall off. But wide receivers recently have been playing into their early 30s and have still been productive. So um, I, I don't think that any team would feel uncomfortable with trying to to poach one of these two players, whether it's through a trade for either of those two guys or potentially giving Brandon Ayuk big money next year. I mean, we've we've seen it all around the league. Um, but but I am with you that they're probably going to have to make a choice about these two guys. I do like I understand that Brandon Ayuk maybe offers something that Debo doesn't as far as route running, but I do think in this San Francisco offense, I don't know if it's worth twenty six million dollars or whatever his cap hit is going to be for next year, but I do think having two players of the same skill set, so to speak, is valuable to Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if it would work for too many other offensive play callers, but Shanahan runs a lot of the same formations. The only difference is where players are placed and what they do. I mean, we saw the, you know, run DMC, you know, the Debo and McCaffrey package from the backfield. I, I do think to Kyle Shanahan, perhaps having two of the same is a lot better than maybe even having two of two different things. Uh, Brennan Ayuk is great, but it, it, this year I, we will find out to me, who is more expendable. And, and unfortunately, the 49ers are going to have to use this season to make that choice because they, they won't have much of an option to bring both of them back, I think. Um, but this year in 2023, will reveal which of the two between Debo and Ayuk are more expendable. Um, that That's just kind of, I think, the hole or I guess the corner they back themselves into. Yeah, I'll just say... Um, again, I, I don't think they'll both be on the team at the start of the 2024 season. So enjoy the 2023 season with both of them on your team, 49ers fans, because I, again, I don't think it's going to happen beyond this season. And who knows? Maybe there's a, a midseason trade. Maybe they, they make a, a deadline deal trade and maybe they get someone that isn't necessarily a super young piece that that isn't draft picks. They get someone that can help their team. Maybe there's an injury on the offensive line and and they decide to make a move to get out from one of these contracts to, to move on from one of these wide receivers, maybe early and they capitalize on that and they fill a hole in a different roster spot. I'm not saying I expect that to happen, but, but it is possible. So I, I would just say, enjoy it. Enjoy these two while you have it, while you have them, because uh, it doesn't seem like it's in the cards for them to be teammates 
for too much longer. And it's nothing against either of them individually. It's just the way that football works, the way that the NFL has, you know, devised the, the contract structure and the salary cap. It's, it's forced teams to make decisions like this. And if you are making a decision like this, it means you have a lot of really good talent. So much talent that you can't afford to pay everyone. It's unfortunate, but it's a good problem to have. And, and that is the decision and, and the thing the 49ers are facing right now. And this is the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. Coming at you twice a week here in the off season. Of anything big breaks, we'll certainly be on top of that with some bonus episodes. So keep an eye out. Download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. Five stars appreciated. Uh, Mark, there was a, a little bit of news in this kind of window between our last episode and, and yeah. this. And that's the fact that the 49ers now have a kicker. And hey. we, we do know that Robbie Gold is unfortunately no longer a member of the 49ers. He said he wanted to go out and test the market, try and get more money. So the 49ers make a trade for former Carolina Panthers kicker Zane Gonzalez, who they have some familiarity with. He'd spent some time in Arizona, and so they, they've seen him up from, from personal. And, of course, he's one of the now uh, many Panthers from last year under Steve Wilkes, who is now the D.C. for San Francisco, to come on over to the Bay. So welcome in, Zane Gonzalez. Don't have to worry about a young kicker, which is always nice. And in fact, you get a veteran with maybe not the track record of a Robbie Gold, even prior to Robbie Gold's time in San Francisco. Uh, but you get a, a well-known commodity and a guy that you certainly hope can knock down some long ones. Yeah, you, you mentioned all the Carolina Panthers. So Zane Gonzalez, Steve Wilkes, of course, Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold, and Miles Hartsfield. All Panthers at some point last year are now 49ers. Um, interesting little uh, factoid there. A lot of a lot of Carolina Panthers are now wearing the red and gold. Um, I think the Zane Gonzalez trade is interesting because the 49ers gave up literally as little as you could possibly give up to acquire him. The Panthers, in fact, had already told Zane Gonzalez they were going to release him. Um, and then, you know, I don't know how exactly it worked. The Niners probably called up the Panthers and said, hey, we're interested in taking a flyer on this guy. Let's do a literally seventh round conditional pick swap in the 2025 NFL draft. So two years down the road, seventh round conditional pick swap. So not even just a seventh round pick. It's, you know, maybe moving up 10 slots on a draft board. Like that's literally what this is. So you gave up next to nothing and he's making, he has no guaranteed money left on his contract. So the 49ers are not obligated to do anything with them monetarily either. I think this does signal the end of the Robbie Gold era because if they were still confident that they could get gold back, Evan, they would not have made this deal. But it does not mean they're done in the kicking room. Because, again, there's no no guaranteed money tied up to Zane Gonzalez. And they gave up literally as little as you could to get someone in the NFL. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if they draft a kicker, if they even still go out and they, they sign someone else. I think the Robbie Gold era is over. But I think there's a pretty good possibility that they bring another kicker in and they feel the kicking competition throughout the offseason and in training camp. Uh, just so people know, Gonzalez did not officially kick in 2022, but the last time that he was active on the Carolina Panthers roster in 2021, made 91% of his field goals, made 96% of his extra points. So uh, that was by far his best season, but the last time, of course, he was kicking 
consistently for an NFL team, he was he was pretty good. Uh, also, one more note from the offensive line. The 49ers signed Matt Pryor, kind of some added depth on the offensive front, played six, or pardon me, nine games for the Indianapolis Colts last year. Uh, but one, one thing that John Lynch did mention about the O-line mark today as we're recording on Tuesday was the fact that it does look like Colton McKivitz is going to be the man for the right tackle position. So, of course, Mike McGlinchey leaves for the big deal that he got in Denver. McKivitz was... Uh, resign Jalen Moore is also a backup tackle that they can use on the right side, but it does look like the 49ers are probably done adding big names on the offensive front. Uh, I know they didn't to begin with, but McKivitz is probably going to be the guy. Yeah, I think they're done adding uh, starters basically everywhere. The one spot would be kicker. If it's not Zane Gonzalez, it, again, I, I think there's a chance it's not. So uh, I think the Niners starters are completely filled out right now. They're just adding depth pieces um, and, you know, things to people to fill holes. If there's an injury here or there, if, if a guy's out for a week, um, they also signed a defensive lineman uh, from the Detroit Lions, Austin Bryant. He's been um, injured off and on in his career. He played just nine games this past year, had, had played 14 the year before, um, 26 years old, edge rusher. Nothing special, but a depth piece. You needed to to fill in some of those holes on your roster. The Niners have done that. Um, now it's a question of of who they get in the draft because there aren't any glaring needs right now. Of course, you can always get better. You can always have better depth. But the Niners do seem to have, for the most part, uh, their roster filled out. You know, you have your starters and you have your you know second string guys for the most part. Now it's just a question of, of who are you targeting in the draft, and, and we'll certainly get into that more uh, as we, we head into April. Um, but, yeah, no more big moves. I would I would be shocked if the Niners pull something big out of the hat the rest of the offseason. Can I ask you something, Mark? Go ahead. If all things were equal, money not a factor. Okay. Why wouldn't the 49ers inquire – about Lamar Jackson. Why wouldn't they inquire about Lamar Jackson? Oh, they're definitely inquiring about Lamar Jackson. I mean, you have to. I'm just saying, and I know that John Lynch came out today and said, Brock Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse. But let me tell you what, that clubhouse, I'd light on fire if there was a chance to get Lamar Jackson. Because to me, not only does that put the 49ers as the favorites in the NFC, in which they already are, I think that would make them favorites for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you didn't hear the news, obviously he's been in a dispute with the Ravens for a while. He came out on Monday as we're recording this, literally the moment that head coach John Harbaugh was scheduled to start talking, and Lamar Jackson came out saying that he requested a trade back on March 2nd. Uh, so a little bit of planning there from Lamar Jackson. He is uh, unhappy with Baltimore. He wants out. Uh, and if the 49ers are, are not reaching out, trying to see if there's any way to, to make something work, then they're not doing their jobs right. I would be utterly shocked if they were able to make something work. But you're right. Lamar Jackson, with these playmakers on offense, even if you had to give up, you know, one, one of your elite offensive weapons, like this offense would still be unstoppable and the defense would still be really good. It would the Niners would immediately become the favorite to win the Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. 
I, I mean, look, I know that there was an ESPN article a month ago when kind of the rumors about Lamar Jackson after he got ex- placed on the franchise tag, not exclusively. Uh, the Niners were ranked, I think, kind of in the middle of the pack as far as trade potential partners. But, I mean, I, I don't know, Mark. Like, I, I know it's I know it's probably not going to happen. And honestly, I think Lamar in some way, shape, or form probably ends up back in Baltimore. But I, I do wonder what the 49ers think about this. Because honestly, the way that we have seen their actions play out is when it comes to quarterbacks, I'm sure we'll hear that they've made a call, maybe texted somebody. I don't know if the 49ers have inquired about Lamar Jackson. I mean, nothing in their actions in the last few years when it comes to potential big-name quarterbacks and their quote-unquote connections to them has told me that they are doing the hard, dirty work to try and even see if this is a possibility. Like, And, and, and that, to me, is a bit negligent. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's a line between like reaching out and checking in and actually working hard to make something happen. I don't think that they are getting that far because I I think the Ravens are saying, yeah, you don't, you don't have a chance. Sorry. Like we're not trading Lamar Jackson to you. Um, I, I do think that the 49ers, and this is a little to your point, I think the 49ers are so far down this path of trying to win a Super Bowl with the roster construction of a a quarterback on a rookie deal. And they could, you know, swing it and make things work and swap contracts and clear up space and, and do all this. But the Niners have planned for, you know, this year and this coming year for such a long time to have the money for Debo last year, to have the money for Bosa this year, to make it all work. And and what is the thing that allows them to do it all? It's having a quarterback on a rookie deal, not making a ton of money and not breaking the bank. The Niners would have to totally forego that plan to make Lamar Jackson work. And I'm not saying that that would be a bad thing to do. Lamar Jackson is a former MVP and would immediately become the best quarterback you've had since your you know consecutive Hall of Famers and Joe Montana and Steve Young but they would have to totally change their plan of like the last five years to make it work. Well, it looked like not that they changed their plan, but last year we saw them get aggressive and go out and trade capital for Christian McCaffrey. We obviously saw them trade multiple first round picks for Trey Lance a a few years before that. I'm just saying that if Lamar Jackson is available and I know the 49ers don't have a first-round pick in this draft, but they do get their first-rounders beginning next season. If that takes two first-round picks and a lot of cash, and maybe you got to give them Brock Purdy or Trey Lance or I don't know, you got to move someone in order to make it work. I am just going to – look, We're gonna. I think we're going to look back on this and kind of throw it in the same category of – well, you could have got Brady. Well, you could have got Rodgers. Well, you could have got... There are all these could have, would have, should as when it comes to quarterbacks. And I get that the 49ers have used that money responsibly elsewhere. But I just, I can't help but salivate over the idea of a player of that caliber, not even specifically Lamar Jackson, but a quarterback of that caliber, which the 49ers, like you said, have not had in over two decades playing at Levi Stadium 
in the scarlet, red, and gold, and being able to watch that knowing that you automatically... I mean, what is what is the one thing that the 49ers have missed in each of their deep playoff runs? Would you like what, What's been their, their biggest flaw? Dynamic quarterback play. What is Lamar Jackson? A dynamic quarterback. I'm not saying that they can make <laughs> this feasibly work, and financially, who knows? It might be completely off limits, especially when you got to pay Bosa, and we're talking about paying Brandon Ayuk down the line. But I... I just believe that in a quarterback-driven league, we saw last year that even a number one defense at points can be rendered useless, not just in the NFC Championship game, but against Kansas City, they got tore up. They had bad games against lesser teams. A great defense is amazing, but nowadays in the NFL, you need a top-tier quarterback, in my opinion, to separate yourself from the pack. That's why the AFC is so damn good, because all the arms are over in that side of the, the conference. And the NFC, you're looking at Jalen Hurts in the field. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, has a better resume than Jalen Hurts, even though he's been to a Super Bowl now. That is the type of game-changing player that I think the 49ers are missing. And I'm sorry if I'm, I'm being unrealistic here, Mark, but I, I just I can't help myself. Well, I, I don't think you're being unrealistic, but I do think you have to would consider what it would take to get him. It would be a couple first-round picks. All of uh, it. You... you Say you got to give up Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, two first two first round picks. I don't know if I have to give up Nick Bosa. I might have to give up uh, Trent Williams. Might have to give up George Kittle. Might have to give up the the Ravens. The Trent Williams is great, but the Ravens are not giving up a young quarterback that's elite for an offensive lineman who has two good years. The Ravens are doing everything they can not to give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed deal. I think they'd be willing to take picks along with top-tier players that can help them continue to compete, which is what they've done under Ozzie Newsom, who is trying at this point to basically satisfy his owner by not giving him a Deshaun Watson deal. Uh, I mean, the the Ravens have they don't have a ton of pressure on them right now because the, he can they can tag him and they've already tagged him. And if no other team can agree to contract terms with Lamar Jackson, then he'll be a Raven for another year. They're not going to accept this trade for peanuts. They're going to hold out to get everything that they possibly can. And if the 49ers call, which at the very least they've texted, I'm sure the conversation begins with, okay, Nick Bosa. Like I, I really think that's where it begins for the Ravens. In their opinion, if they were to trade uh, Lamar Jackson to the 49ers, they're saying, all right, the starting point is Nick Bosa. What else you got? And I think that's where the 49ers say, eh, I'm not sure it's worth it. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, Nick Bosa is, is untradeable. But I, I don't think that, look, the NFL is is not a place where you see top-tier talent being swapped. It's typically involved in a lot of picks. And the 49ers starting next season have it. And all I'm saying, let me put this in perspective. If you could spend what you spent on Trey Lance in the draft to get Lamar Jackson, you're just involving more dollars. To me, that's a much more given commodity, a much more, much more, you know, obvious choice. I'm sorry, Mark. No, I mean, everything you're saying is right. It's just, I don't think the Niners are going to do it. I think the Ravens are going to be asking for too much. The Niners will not be willing to, to reach their price, not necessarily a monetary price, but a talent price. The 49ers have been down this road of trying to win a championship with the quarterback on a rookie deal. And they're not going to blow it all up and get rid of 
perhaps their most prized asset right now to buck their trend and go against their plans. While it would be an incredible move and it would make them probably the best offense in the NFL, I just don't think it's what the 49ers really want to do. I don't think they want to do that. I don't think they want to give up Nick Bosa. And again, Lamar Jackson would be fantastic. Everything you're saying is right. I just, I don't see it happening. All I'm saying is I don't think it would involve Nick Bosa. Eh. But I guess we'll never know because, of course, the possibility is unlikely. But <laughs> I would like to tell people that, of course, you can catch us two times a week here in the off season. Thursday is going to be our next episode as we're recording this, releasing it on Tuesday. And, Mark, I appreciate you as always, as that will do it for this edition of the 415ers podcast. Please download, rate, subscribe, follow on social media, Twitter, Instagram, all the rest. And uh, that's Mark. I'm Evan. We'll talk to you next time.